I mean, as an athlete, you you just see that you hear that stigma. You think of that stigma. It's like that kid, that kid, or somebody has to go to therapy. It's almost looked at as like a weakness, or uh, a lot of people. I I felt embarrassed about it. I felt soft. Like I felt like I was soft about it because I mean, a concussion is different than a lot of injuries. Because you know, if you're an athlete and you break your arm or break your leg, you know, you have a cast on. You know, you're going. People can see that you have a cast on. You know, you physically can't play. I mean, when you have a concussion or going through depression or anxiety and you're mentally not able to play so it's the same thing as a broken arm or a broken leg but you know people can't see that if you if you had surgery you're going to go to rehab you know do your rehab stuff if you know if you're going through depression or concussion anxiety I mean it's almost more important to do that because you know you don't have a cast on you know not, the only thing that's going to make you better is yourself and going to therapy what's up guys this is matt doby former virginia tech infielder indiana hoosier and you're listening to the heads and tails podcast welcome back to the heads and tails podcast i'm your host kevin som and each week i bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety just like flipping a coin you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life you can always control how you respond This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week I'm excited to bring you Matt Doby, uh, who is a former Virginia Tech infielder. Uh, He's an autism awareness advocate, and he was introduced to me by uh, Vince Sonson at balance position because of Matt's battle with depression while playing uh, baseball at Virginia Tech. Uh, which is going to be the focus of our conversation today. So, uh, Matt, I know you have a bit of a concussion history as well, so maybe you could start off by kind of going through that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on. I had four concussions. Uh, I had two in basketball. I played basketball in high school, two in baseball. Uh, basketball was just really loose ball, going after the loose ball, colliding with somebody. Um, not too bad at concussions. I mean, the baseball ones are what really set me back. Um, just taking a fastball to the to the head head to the face wrong part of the head really happened the time frame I mean it was less than two months when both of them happened so I mean one of them I was pretty out cold the other one was just kind of a minor hit and but we but with my I don't know if it happened with my concussion history or just the way it hit me or um, it kind of really set me back um, so yeah four concussions so um, the, the concussions that were close together was that in high school or college um, those two were in college Okay. Um, so my, I really started in high school. Um, I had some problems in high school. Got really diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome in high school, my junior, senior year of high school. Um, so I had a little bit of history going into college. Um, and then it was just unfortunate that that happened within my first couple of years of college and just kind of really set me back in my first couple of years at Virginia Tech. So before you got to Virginia Tech and you kind of were exhibiting those post-concussion symptoms, like what were those symptoms? You remember? Yeah. Yeah. So junior year high school, I mean, that's my prime time recruiting. I mean, baseball, basketball, big time athlete. Um, I was probably about a month or two out, out of my concussion. And, you know, I was playing back playing sports and all that. Um, and I just really didn't really didn't get back to myself ever, actually. And actually, one of my teachers actually pulled me in after class and asked me what was going on. You know, she just said I didn't seem like myself, all that. And, yeah, I mean, I pretty much told her everything. You know, some of the symptoms, you know, that's when the depression got – that's when the, the depression started. Um, didn't really notice anxiety at that point. Um, it was pretty much just depression, fatigue, 
Um, I couldn't really concentrate or read without getting tired. I'd walk the hallways during fasting period, you know, the light and the noise would really bother me. Um, it was pretty much like I was there, but I really wasn't there. Um, it was like a kind of like a wax figure museum when I was in class. It was just like a, I was there, but I really wasn't there. So um, A good looking wax figure. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so I actually went to, uh, I actually, uh, so I got, I'm from Indianapolis, so I actually got diagnosed PCS um, in, in Indianapolis, and they recommended, because, you know, it's not it's not that common, you know, it's really hard to diagnose, so they're thinking it could be some other things, or I don't know. So I went to uh, Pittsburgh, uh, and saw a doctor named Mickey Collins. Um, he's actually the, one of the co-creators of the uh, impact test. Okay. So at this point, I've taken the impact test probably 100 times. You're so a pro. I was, I'm a, I don't even have to read the directions anymore. I mean, so yeah, I went to see him and I mean, he agreed with everything. Um, you know, he said he didn't, he couldn't, he medically, you, he couldn't say that, you know, depression, um, was part of the PCS, but in my mind, I'm 99.9% sure the level of depression that came on after that was from the post concussion stuff that I dealt with. Like what makes you think that just like the timing of it or like what, like what symptoms of depression, I guess, like what are the symptoms of depression that you were exhibiting throughout that time? Um, so, I mean, just before this happened, you know, I, I mean, I'd never, I didn't even know what depression was, you know, I was happy. I was, a, you know, I was a popular kid, social, all that. Um, so after, I mean, when it came on, you know, I didn't really know what it was. So like, I just, I don't know. Um, and then, I mean, a lot of people just think that being depressed is, you know, being sad, crying, you know, just not caring, being being sad, really. I mean, depression is just a really until – you, until you know what it's like, I mean, you really can't describe it to somebody or – I mean, it's it's almost like you are you don't feel anything. It's like just being numb all the time. I mean, it's like, yeah, I still cared about school, my friends, and baseball and all that, but – I cared about it, but I didn't have the motivation to do anything to be productive or better myself at, at any of them, really. I mean, my grades went r- way down. One, because I couldn't concentrate for more than 10 minutes. I didn't do my homework in increments of 10 minutes, actually. Um, two, I mean, I just I didn't care about anything. I mean, getting up out of bed to take on the day was the hardest part of the day. Once that happened, I was pretty much done, so... So is like that working in 10 minute increments, like, do you recommend that for someone who's kind of going through that, that like kind um, well, of that was your more, way around it? That was more of the concussion side. Okay. Um, just cause you know, I couldn't really concentrate on something without getting a headache or tired. Um, right. In terms of depression, you know, being in high school and trying to deal with something like that, you know, you're going through a lot already being that age and not knowing a lot about it. Um, I, I really wish I would have taken some of the treatment options that I was given in high school more seriously at the time. But I mean, I was a young, stupid kid who just cared about sports, and so I didn't really. Can you, can you give examples? School, yeah, I mean, in high school, a lot of the therapy stuff um, I just thought was a waste of time. Why? I mean, as an athlete, you you just see that you hear that stigma, you think of that stigma. It's like that kid, that kid, or somebody has to go to therapy. It's almost looked at as like a weakness, or uh, a lot of people. I I felt embarrassed about it. I felt soft, like I felt like I was soft about it because I mean, 
a concussion is different than a lot of injuries because, you know, if you're an athlete and you break your arm or break your leg, you know, you have a cast on, you know, you're going, people can see that you have a cast on, you know, you physically can't play. I mean, when you have a concussion or going through depression or anxiety and you're mentally not able to play. So it's the same thing as a broken arm or a broken leg, but you know, people can't see that. Right. Um, and it's all like, it's like if you, if you had surgery, you're going to go to rehab, you know, do your rehab stuff. If you know, if you're going through depression or concussion anxiety, I mean, it's almost more important to do that because you know, you don't have a cast on, you know, not, the only thing that's going to make you better is yourself and going to therapy and finding ways for your, everyone's different so there's different ways for everybody to get, kind of get through that and figure out what's going on but um yeah i would say therapy is the biggest thing that helped me um get out of it yeah i mean i know what you mean about kind of being embarrassed by therapy or like because my parents were divorced growing up so my parents wanted me to go to therapy like from a young age and i had issues i was a baseball player too and i had a bit of the the yips if you know what i mean uh, throwing the ball. And I used to see a, a sports psychologist eventually, but I remember going to like my therapist when I was young and I would like run from my mom's car as fast as I could into the door, just hoping that like no one saw me going in. Cause I was so embarrassed. So like, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't tell anybody where, where I was going or. Yeah. Once I put like sports psychologists in front of it, I was like a little more okay with it, but yeah, yeah it was, it's still, it's tough when you're, when you're that young. So were you still experiencing symptoms when you uh, eventually went to Virginia Tech from these concussions? Yeah, you know, um, I got a lot healthier for my senior year of high school, um, concussion-wise. Um, I had to sit out my senior year of basketball, which really made my depression worse because um, I was an Indiana kid. I love basketball. Um, got to play baseball. Um, you know, committed to Virginia Tech. So that was looking up, you know, a lot of my concussion symptoms were, you know, the dizziness, you know, the trouble concentrating, light, noise. A lot of that was starting to go away. So it felt pretty good. Um, depression was still there. Um, I think depression will, I think once somebody is that severely depressed, I don't think it'll ever really go away. Um, it won't be there every day or whatever, but I think it's going to be part of your life. And I mean, you can deal with that. I've learned to deal with it. It doesn't, um, it's not a bad thing, but, uh, going into tech, I was really excited about being there. Um, kind of started a new chapter almost, um, only yeah, really for, for only the people really, listening, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but for the people listening to this, like the, I want them to understand like how big of a deal playing baseball, Virginia tech is like, that's big time college baseball and it's not an easy thing to do at all. So I commend you for that, especially going through what you did with the concussions and to still, you know, get a scholarship offer at one of the best baseball schools in the country. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said, you know, committing there and all the hype and praise for that didn't help depression a little bit. Yeah. Um, now, my depression was more of a self-inflicted type thing. You know, it wasn't like, it's not like a lot of things in my life were going really bad. You know, it's not like, it's not like external things are really around me or bad things happen. It's more like just self-inflicted, like, you know, feel like not thinking I'm good enough for stuff. You know, it's more like just not feeling like I deserve a lot of the things that I had worked for. And when you're in that state, I mean, when you're in that state and you, you convince yourself that you're not good enough for anything and you feel hopeless and you're worthless and 
So I can't, I'd be lying if I said committing to a big school like that didn't at least help me a little bit. Right. So I feel bad for you for missing your senior season of basketball. So like, how, what, what was your psyche like during that time? I know you said it kind of made your depression worse or certainly didn't help, but like, what did you do to kind of cope or did you not? Yeah. I mean, it was tough. Um, you know, I really, I didn't go to the games at all. I couldn't be there. Uh, I just couldn't watch it without just being pissed off or just getting, you know, more depressed. Um, so, I mean, I really, I mean, at the time, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really know how to get over it. So I was pretty depressed about that at the time, but um, I just used it at the time to, to get better at, at baseball, really. Um, that's really the, that's really the time in my life when I started to get in the gym and lift some weights and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of, I just kind of substituted it for that. I was able to do that. So and the people listening to this dude is ripped. So uh, there'll be some, some pictures online uh, for, for the blog post. You can check it out. Um, so what, when, when you got to Virginia tech, when was like kind of the turning point or the low point that made you think like I need help or did other people see in you that you needed help? Yeah. Um, so freshman season, um, I actually surprised myself and a lot of other people my freshman year. Um, I ended up, uh, starting game one opening day, um, started about 35, 40 games probably that year. Um, really didn't have any problems, um, other than your normal, you know, first year college freshman type stuff. So that year was really good. You know, everything's looking up all that. Um, Sophomore year was when I don't know. It's not like something happened, or I don't. I don't know if something happened that I didn't know, or I don't know if something changed, or maybe expectations. I, you know, because like probably, yeah, probably put more pressure on myself. School started to get a little more. Uh, got a little harder just because he started getting the specialized courses and stuff. Um, so I, I I earned the starting shortstop spot, opening day, sophomore year, and. You know, the first weekend, first couple of weekends were normal. And then after that, I just noticed, you know, on the field, when I was on the field during a game, it's like, that's when the anxiety really started to ramp up. I mean, it, it's not like it was like one day I felt, I felt it kind of coming on. I mean, it was just like one day it was there at a really high intense level. And I didn't really know what it was or what to do with it. So I probably, and then the, pre, the anxiety and depression for me both come hand in hand, really. Um, so putting pressure on myself to play baseball and uh, a lot, a lot of it was just school and baseball mixed. Cause you know, I couldn't really, I was struggling enough emotionally and mentally to balance just one of them when you put both of them together. Um, for someone like me at the time who didn't know what to do or what was going on, it's just a snowball effect, you know? Um, and that's when the depression started coming back again. And I started being more distant from my friends, started making bad decisions. Didn't even, couldn't really get out of bed to go to class. I skipped a lot of class just because I was too tired in bed and didn't want to go. I didn't care. I went to practice, obviously. Um, my play started suffering. When I was on the field during games, I, I mean, I just thought it's like anxiety is just thinking what if, what if, what if, and it's all negative. And you think, you think if I make an error, I'm going to get cut. I'm not going to play again, stuff like that. And I mean, it's paralyzing. I mean, I, the first time I had an episode with it was sophomore year. I was playing short during a game at home. Um, at, we were playing Pittsburgh, and I was in the field. And I had never had a like an anxiety panic attack before. 
Um, but we're just in the middle of like the third inning or something and just had a panic attack. And I really, I remember it, but I don't really remember it. I just know I couldn't see anything. I was, I couldn't really breathe. You know, I didn't like make a scene or anything. So no one knew what was going on. Uh, I happened to get like two or three balls during that time. And I obviously missed all of them. But, no, no one knew. So, I mean, I, no one knew. It didn't hurt me. I started the next game. Perfectly fine. Um, so your, your your triggers or like the voices in your head were kind of like a, the the fear of of making a mistake or the fear of losing your spot or like playing in front of you know thousands of people. You know the thing like the thing is you know people think anxiety and the, one of the initial re- reasons why I was scared to tell anybody, especially like my coaches and stuff, is they think you know pressure situation you can't handle it because you know you're anxious and you know you, you tense up you choke pretty much. And that wasn't it with me. I mean, a lot of the times in the big, big situations, I mean, like in the third inning, I would be more nervous than I was in the ninth inning just because I don't know why. It's, it wasn't like the pressure situation. It was just what was going on in my own head. The fear of, fear of failure, fear of, fear of looking stupid or I can't, I don't even know what, you know, it was just, it was there and I felt it and it just paralyzed my body. I mean, if I, if I was, let's say I'm a, 7-0 runner on a 60-yard dash, you know, when that stuff is going on, I mean, it makes your hands heavy, makes your feet heavy, it makes it, it's almost like you're sitting in a cold tub trying to play and react. Um, so if I'm a 7-0 runner, well, which know, is really that, fast, yeah. It's about, it's an average, it's an average speed, I would say. Oh, um, come on, dude. <laughs> so if I'm, you know, during that time, during those episodes, you know, I'd probably be like a seven five, seven seven round, which is a huge difference for people that don't know, like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.7 tenths of a second running. I mean, that's a huge difference. So my reaction time was way worse. I mean, I wouldn't see the ball hits me a lot of times. And a lot of times I would field it, and I don't really know how. And I would go, and I would go back and think to myself, like, I didn't see that ball until it was halfway to me, honestly. And but, you know, I got through, like, the first three or four weeks of the season um, with some mini episodes, and I didn't really tell anybody and didn't really think anything of it. Um, so did you make any errors, like, during that time, and, like, did people get on you about it, or they just kind of let it slide? Like, I, I didn't play Division One college baseball, but, like, obviously you, you're there for a reason because you're really freaking good. So, you know, if you make an error here and there, I would think that, you would, they wouldn't get on you too much, but yeah, I mean, I didn't really make that many errors. I mean, and when it really started, when I really broke down, and really when things really got bad, and probably the fourth or fifth week of the season, you know, I was still starting shortstop um, with with pretty good numbers. So I had two or three games where I had I had um, like panic attack, anxiety episodes. And in only one of the games, I think I made two or three errors just because the ball got hit to me during that time. In the other games, I got kind of lucky. Um, right. and didn't... So, I mean, it wasn't like no one really said anything. It was just, you know, errors happened in baseball. You know, they might say, like, come on, like, let's go or whatever. But, you know, that doesn't affect me. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the the, the incident at uh, LSU? Because LSU is another huge time program. If you watch the College World Series, they're, like, in it quite frequently. They have a pretty – big tradition of uh college baseball so i can only imagine how you felt kind of walking into that stadium yeah yeah so that's what i was saying like that was like the fourth or fifth week of the year okay playing at lsu live game espn 
um, starting shortstop. Uh, I mean, 14,000 strong probably. I mean, that's – Living the dream right there. Yeah, that's a dream, right? I mean, yeah. I was excited going into it, you know. Um, and I got out there and it just – I mean, anxiety just hit me even in warm-ups. Like, I mean, it was at an all-time high. I don't think I fielded a, a ground ball in warm-ups cleanly, um, which I was a defensive infielder. So that's kind of what got me to college is my defense. So my dad was there and he was just looking at me like, what, what's, like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? And then so, I mean, I knew I, was, I, knew I wasn't – I couldn't – that my dizziness, I really couldn't see really anything. You know, I was just numb, paralyzed. When you're feeling like that, anxiety just ramps up even more just because – uh, you know, you're about to play in front of 14,000 on live, on live TV. It's a dream. You're feeling like this, and then the depression sets in. It's like, why is this happening? Like, what's wrong with me? It's like, is this gonna cause me to not be the player I can, or whatever? And all of my emotions for probably three, four, three, four years just hit me. Probably 30 minutes before the game. Don't know why. Don't know why. Why that? It was that time. I don't know why. All of it just hit me at once, and I went in the dugout bathroom and just bawled my eyes out, like for no, don't know why, don't know why it was happening, don't know what was happening. I was just bawling my eyes out for probably 10, 15 minutes, um, and then after that, I pulled myself together, went out there and played, played an awful game, um, and that's what my dad, that's when my dad actually noticed that something was going on. And he actually told my head coach to bench me the next day. Um, Something that so most parents probably wouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he knew it wasn't physical because, I mean, I've made plenty of errors, not because of anxiety, but, I mean, he could just tell, like, I didn't, I didn't, I looked like I was almost drunk out there, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a good description. Um, yeah. So when did you like decide to kind of pull yourself out of uh, or remove yourself from baseball to kind of take care of yourself? Was it at this time also? Yeah, I mean, it, so that that was uh, that weekend. So I, that was on Friday night, bench Saturday, played Sunday, played fine, you know, nothing wrong. You know, it's like it's just like a matter of showing up. And I, sh- I was I would wake up and go to the ballpark and I'd be terrified if I was going to feel like that or not feel like that. And so you like no control like over it. Yeah, like I didn't have any control over it. And the days where I didn't feel like that, you know, I was ready to play and I would play like an all-star because I was just so excited to not feel bad, you know. Like even if I made an error, you know, it's like I don't care. Like I saw the I saw the ball. I feel good. I'm having fun. Um, so, yeah, so the normal week of practice and then uh, next weekend we're playing at uh, UVA, Virginia, which is our, our biggest rival. And I think on the, the Sunday game, uh, we're up like four to two, four to three, something like that, in like the bottom of the ninth inning. And we're playing. I'm I'm at short. Guys on second and third. Two outs. Ground ball hit to me, and I was already feeling pretty bad at this point. Didn't feel awful, but feeling pretty bad. I I don't know if I can blame the air on anxiety. It was just kind of a tough ball, like happens. But you know, two outs, ball hit to me, made an error, two run score, we lose. And then, after, like, I think it was on TV, so my dad saw me on TV. When that happened, I mean, that's when that first couple hours, you know, I didn't really realize what was going on just because I was so mad and so pissed off. But the thoughts that were coming in my head at two or three hours after that, that's when, that's when I decided, that's when I really, I felt like my thoughts and 
the depression and my thoughts and what was going on in my head were really close to becoming, you know, bad, bad actions or bad choices by me. Um, and that, that honestly pretty scared me. I, I was just so, I didn't know what was going on. I felt so bad and was so scared that I just knew I had to get help at that point um, or else something bad was going to happen. Um, I don't know what, what I, don't, I can't say what I would have done or wouldn't have done, but I just knew one or two, three more weeks of that and something life-changing probably would have happened. So you had the awareness to kind of like notice that like in yourself that, and you kind of took the initiative to, to, to help yourself? Yeah, I mean, when we got back from uh, the UVA game, um, got back to my house on campus at like 9.30 at night probably. Um, you know, I had been to, I know I had known, I knew a little more about depression now just because you know, I've been going through it. Um, I know some triggers and, you know, when it gets really bad and stuff like that. Um, and I just felt so miserable and so hopeless and worthless that I told my roommates, I was like, yo, I'm going out. Uh, I'm going out with this girl. They're like, all right, whatever. I just drove home to Indianapolis, like eight hours. Just because that's like your comfort place or you just knew you can get help there? I didn't really know what else to do. Um, I mean, I didn't really have anybody at I mean, I, there's a lot of people that tech that would have been supportive, but not anyone that knew me, like my parents or my my high school therapists, really. Um, and I just knew I had to get away from it all. And that at that point in time, you know, my parents are really supportive. I just I knew they could help me, um, and I just needed to be away from my baseball team, school. And I that's I wasn't really thinking clearly, honestly, but that's what I did. Right. And I'm glad. It, so. Yeah, me too. So during this time, what treatments? You know, you're you're trying to work yourself back to the the baseball field. Um, so what treatments were most effective in getting you back on the field? And did you ever did did you ever think that you might not play again? Yeah, I mean, when I when I made the decision to drop home that night, I was fully aware. I was probably expecting to not be able to not play baseball at least at Virginia Tech again. Um, just because of, I mean, it, the way it looks and not because I, not because I thought the coach would be mad that I left or whatever. Just, I mean, cause at that point, you know, I mean, it's tough depression, anxiety, you know, concussions, you know, a lot, not a lot of people know a lot about it. So when someone leaves like that and has an episode like that, I mean, it's, I mean, I, as a coach, I, I, I can't say I was worried that my coach is really wouldn't understand and kind of take it the wrong way. And, I was expecting probably not to play there again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was ex I was prepared to. I just felt the feelings of the feelings and thoughts and emotions that I was going through finally started to outweigh the pros of being a Virginia Tech baseball player. Right. And that that wasn't enough anymore, and I I had to go home, and that's when I started to finally take therapy and stuff seriously and I started doing a lot of the little things that I probably should have been doing all the time but um that's kind of what led me to start doing them okay so what kind of, what are some of those things that someone listening to this might be able to implement so um you know during that time uh, I was probably doing I was probably doing three face-to-face -face therapy sessions a week um and a lot of the one of the big things that 
Um, she had me do her name is Jennifer Horn. Um, one of the big things that she had me do, she had me get a journal, um, and just write in a journal. I'm thinking like journal, like what? But you know, at that point I was desperate and I would have done anything. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. And she just told me to, you know, write in every day, write in the good, the bad. Um, and after each week, go back, go back and look at it and realize that most of the stuff I put in there was pretty good. Um, the way my mind worked, I would have really one really bad like hour a day with really bad thoughts and emotions and that would define my day really. So when I went back and saw like, I mean anything, if anything good happened, I would write it down. If I found a quarter on the ground, I'd write it down like found a quarter when I needed a quarter for the vending machine, like little stuff like that. So I'd go back and look at it. I'm like, I actually had like a pretty decent week. Like, you know, I had, and she also, um, you know, when those thoughts start coming on, you know, anxiety, depression, she wanted me to not try to get rid of them, which is what I was trying to do, which is just so hard and impossible. And actually, actually makes it harder to get them out of your head. She wanted me to start acknowledging that they were there and figuring out why they're there and just ex kind of accepting them. Um, so, so did you ever figure out the why, like why they were there? Or is that like a, an evolving thing? It probably like changes from day to day. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly can't tell you why. Um, like I said, sometimes in our big, biggest games like I went I would feel amazing and sometimes in our scrimmages I feel like the weight of the world was on my shoulders I mean um so I honestly can't tell you why or how um but that journal um I, I mean I would write pretty much everything in there um she made me uh I actually just like she had me come up with like little like sayings or mantras to tell myself on the field um just over and over, I probably said them like over a thousand times in practice or a game. What's your mantra? Uh, the one I stuck with was like, it was something like play the play, play the game like a six year old playing with ball in the backyard or something. Because um, I just remember playing with ball in the backyard, you know how I felt and you know how much fun it was and carefree. So I would, just, yeah, literally carefree. Uh, so I would just like between pitches between between pitches, innings, all that, I would just tell myself that, like, all the time. Um, I started, that's when I started getting really into, like, nutrition, um, just because, you know, my diet was a normal college athlete diet. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Um, but I felt so bad. I was just looking at every little thing, aspect of my life, to try to make a change and do something that could possibly help lift my spirits a little bit. So I started, you know, getting really into nutrition and, Diet, like not like dieting, like counting calories or anything, just eating like healthy food and fueling your body and stuff. Um, and I started getting real into like meditating, uh, which is another huge thing um, that I still do. Um, probably 20, 30 minutes a day right now. Back then, I was probably doing an hour, hour and a half. Um, do you use an app like MindSpace or anything? Or Yeah, I just have, um, I had one on my phone at the time. I just, bought it off iTunes. Uh, now it's a little easier with like Apple music and YouTube and all that on your phones. But, um, I had one, I started to do it before every game. You know, my pregame pre routine was probably a little different than everyone else's. So I would, I would have to have probably like an hour 
hour to myself before a game um, just to, you know, I wasn't like stretching or taking swings or anything. Like my 30 minutes of meditating and getting my mind ready to play was more important than going to take swings before a game, which sounds really crazy. But Did any of your teammates or coaches say anything about that? They just kind of like let you do your thing. Yeah, my, my head coach and assistant coaches were actually extremely understanding uh, at the time. I mean, when I, came, when I first came back um, that next year, uh, fall, the fall season, uh, I struggled a lot again. Um, you know, I was still going, I was still, I mean, I, was, I started to get, I started to do the treatment and stuff and started taking it more seriously, but you know, a lot of stuff was going on trying to figure out myself and trying to get healthy. So, I mean, I struggled the first fall season, um, pretty bad actually. And at the end of the fall, you know, my head coach calls me in and says like, Matt, you know, like, you're a leader in this program, you know, you're really important to our program, you know, you're a huge part of it. I'm not, I'm not going to cut you, but you know, at this point I can't see you playing for us again. So I want to make you like a player coach or get, get you like a spot to do something within our organization. Cause I think you have a lot, a great effect on the program as a whole. You know, I thought about it and I, that I, I thought about it a little bit and I said, okay, like, let me think about it, but release me so I can, Release me right now so I can go talk to other schools and coaches just in case I want to go try to play somewhere else. So he released me and about, I took some visits. Um, about two days later, I went back in. I was like, honestly, coach, like I don't have any interest in coaching, but my life is here. So I'm going to stay. And if you want to cut me, you can cut me, but probably I'm determined to play for you again. Um, so that season, I didn't, I didn't get much time. And then that's when, about a year after I started taking all this stuff seriously and really knew what was going on and got educated about it is when I started my spirits and the old self kind of really came back, um, ended up starting for two more years after that. So that's crazy. So like, so did you approach the game differently in any way or was it just like what you did kind of off the, the baseball field, like leading up to the games? Um, what, Definitely leading up to the games changed, but um, really just my mindset, not just on baseball, but really on just life as, as a whole, really changed. Um, you know, I started, you know, before that, you know, baseball was, it's like you said, like baseball was who I was. It was my identity. Um, and I took that away. Took that away because of depression, anxiety, concussions. It's like, who, who am I? What am I supposed to do now? Like, so that year, it was just, not just, you know, doing therapy and stuff to get over depression, anxiety. It was really just kind of figuring out who I was besides Matt Doby, the baseball player, um, and really figure out who I was as a person. So, and that's when I said, like, my brother helped me a lot with that. Um, he didn't know or he didn't, he wasn't even trying to, but he did. Um, and Matt's brother so has like, uh, autism for the listeners. Yeah. So just like, I just remember before games, you know, we would, um, before every game, you know, we'd take a knee, we'd say Lord's Prayer, break it down, you know, hopefully on three, whatever. And I would, after we'd said, after we took a knee, prayed and all that, I wouldn't break down. I'd go in the outfield and just take a knee for two to three minutes by myself. And everyone wondered what, what I was doing, but I mean, it, looked, it looked weird, but, you know, I just, I remember doing it and, you know, it was just kind of two to three minutes before a game, you know, the, not really a meditation, but kind of similar. And I just would like, I feel the grass, I feel the dirt, and I look around and just realize 
how blessed I am to be here and how cool it was and what's really going on around me, like how how cool it was to be here playing college baseball with my best friends. Um, you know, if I make an air this game, I'm still going to go home. I'm still going to be the person I am. If I hit a home run today, I'm still going to be the person I am. I'm still going to go home and do the same things. Uh, so my mindset just really changed. So really practicing like gratitude, right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Um, do you think that like baseball in general is like an environment for to like kind of breed depression? I'm just thinking like it's something yeah. that I struggled with because I was a freaking head case in baseball. Like if I, when I was hot, I was hot. I would go like 16 for 16. When I was not, I was terrible. Uh, but it's a sport where you, yeah, you fail 70% of the time and that gets you into the hall of fame. And for people who are like perfectionists and high performers, that isn't always like an easy thing to deal with. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely, definitely take some mentally tough person to play baseball and succeed. Um, I think for most people that don't really have a history or past with any depression or anything, um, you know, they'll go and they slump or something, you know, they'll go in like maybe a mild depression week or two, you know, and then they get hot again, you know, they'll be gone, you know. Uh, I think people that, you know, scientifically, chemically, whatever in their brain that really have something going on, you know, depression, anxiety, when you throw that in with baseball, I think they are, I think they have way more of a chance to really have a bad, um, bad situation and the depression and anxiety will definitely ramp up. Um, so I definitely think baseball, baseball, I'm not saying baseball, you know, produces depressed people cause it's unbelievable game. I love it. Um, but I think if you have those issues going on and try, keep trying to balance school and baseball and everything, I definitely think baseball is one of those sports. It, it really, any sport can do it if you love sports and you're an athlete, but I definitely think baseball is a tough sport to play when you're going through it. depression. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I, I know what you mean. Like I love baseball too, but I think it's like an environment that if you don't go in with the right mindset of like being okay with like messing up every so often, like you're going to play this mental battle in your head uh, constantly. Yeah. The thing about, thing about baseball that really, really, really I struggled with is, you know, what, why I love basketball so much, it's like, even when I was going through that, you know, once the game starts, it's so, like, upbeat and fast-paced. You're really just reacting to stuff, and you really don't have time to think about anything. So it's like you escape a lot of that for an hour, two hours, whatever the game is, you know. It's like when baseball, you have, like, you have way too much time to think, and it's just, like, it paralyzes my It paralyzes my mind. I sure it paralyzes other people, too. I mean, you just have way too much time to think. Yeah, definitely me. Um you made one comment earlier about you definitely have to have mental toughness to play baseball. So do you think that you lacked mental toughness like throughout your depression? Cause like based on what you said, it's not something you can really control. So like, I wouldn't say that you're not a mentally tough person. Yeah. So what are your, what are your thoughts on like, as like mental toughness? See, I think, I think it depends on who you ask and how those. You can define mental toughness in a lot of different ways. I, I think. Um, so in my mind, you know, getting up every day, feeling 
something like that and go into the ballpark to play, I mean, that takes a lot of mental toughness in itself. Um, you know, other people might think, you know, I, I couldn't play through that or, you know, that affected my play, so he's not mentally tough. So I think depending on who you ask, depending on where they come from and how they were raised or whatever, I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of people will differ on that. Because um, I think I don't view toughness as, you know, if I break my arm, I'm going to go play through it. Or, you know, obviously that takes a, that's a really tough person. Um, that, that's an aspect of toughness. But I think there's so many different ways that someone can be tough in sports and not in sports. Um, I mean, all of them really, all of them really incorporate sacrificing yourself um, for the sake of others, um, and just a mindset to never give up, um, no matter how bad or good or whatever things are going in your life. So, I mean, that can happen in that can happen in for a single mom or a baseball player, you know. So their their toughness definitions will definitely differ. Yeah, no, that was that was great. I, I definitely am trying to promote the first toughness answer that you gave, not like the latter about like, you know, the the typical stereotypical definition of like mental toughness. Um, how does your brother with autism uh, ex- exhibit toughness in your mind? And like, what have you kind of yeah. taken from from yeah, him? I mean, um, I mean, just what I mean. Me, my me, one of my good friends were actually talking about this the other day. She. She actually said to me that she doesn't like she doesn't like it when I say it and she doesn't like when she has to say it. She doesn't like to refer to him as my autistic brother. Okay. Which I, I was like, what are you talking about? And she she started to talk about it and she she said, you know, that defines him as something different, you know, why can't you just say it's your brother? And that really got me thinking. Um, that's just kind of a side note, but I had to bring that up because she's probably gonna listen to this, so she's probably gonna be excited. Uh, <laughs> well shout which, out. Yeah, it really made a lot of sense because I mean he, I mean he is different, yeah, but I mean he likes the same things as other people and likes to do the same things. He has feelings, whatever. Um, and really, for me, just watching him, I mean he struggles. He struggles with a lot of everyday things that me and a lot of other people, most people, will probably take for granted every day. Um, so watching him, you know, struggle to tie his shoes for a week, and then after a week, he'll finally get it. And just the pure excitement and happiness he would I would see from him, like when he would accomplish that little thing that takes me a, not even a minute in the morning. Uh, it's just really humbling. Um, it really made me step back and and really look at all the things I had and really wasn't being grateful for. Um, so it made me feel pretty bad at the time, but um, in hindsight, I mean now. I mean, I'm more thankful for things and that I would have never noticed years ago. Yeah, you're more. Yeah, your eyes are open to all the great things around you, and I think practicing gratitude, you kind of like and writing in the journal, like it's evidence that you have a lot of things going for you, and you 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 focus on those. Yeah. Um, I miss I missed one question before when we were talking about when you left from your team. Did you struggle being away from your team as well? like the isolation of kind of being away from the the team while you're trying to take care of yourself? You know, it was more of a, it was more of a fear of, you know, how people were going to react and what they were going to say and would I lose respect in the locker room, off, off the field, on the field. Um, it was more of a, a fear of, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to tell them what's happening? How am I going to go about this? 
Um, will they understand, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because a lot of them had no idea what was going on just because I was really good at, you know, faking, acting like I'm fine and everything's good. Um, so that's why I think a lot of people were so shocked is just because I was so good at hiding it. Um, so, I, you know, it wasn't – I mean, it was obviously hard being away from the game um, with my team, but, I mean, they understood. I knew what I had to do. It was more of a fear of – um, the reactions that I was probably going to get. Okay. Um, so what has your transition to life after baseball been like? You, you made it back to the diamond. You finished with a successful career, getting a starting job back again at a huge, you know, big time college baseball program. So what, what are you up to now? And like, have you struggled in that transition to not have that baseball identity? Like you mentioned earlier? Yeah. I mean, um, it's definitely weird not having that anymore. Um, in a way, uh, I definitely miss the game. Um, I miss being part of the team, miss my teammates, you know, the status of being an athlete. Um, but, you know, all the baseball put me through. Um, I definitely miss the game, but I can't say I'm, I'm mad that I don't have to play anymore um, just because of, you know, the questions that were going through my mind, the, the fear of showing up every day to the field wondering if I'm going to, having a panic attack in front of 14,000 people. But yeah, I mean, transitioning, I mean, starting a full-time job, um, it's definitely different, different lifestyle than being an athlete. Um, it's definitely, I've been working for about three months now, still really not used to it. Um, so you're, it's definitely going to take some getting used to. So You're early on in that transition. I know, it feels like I've been working for 20 years. But <laughs> yeah, still... I still meditate, still have a journal, still like yoga, all that stuff. Um, I'll probably do that for probably, the, I mean, at least maybe the rest of my life. I'm not sure, but um, at this point, I feel like I still need to do it. It's just become a habit now. Um, so. All right. Uh, so what are some of your other hobbies? I, I saw somewhere in one of your videos at Virginia Tech that you were uh, in the Latin dance club in high school. To me, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's toughness right there. That is like the definition of toughness. Yeah. Uh, see, I try, to, I try to get to know a lot of different people in a lot of different fields. Um, so I'm a big um, – I'm not a big, like, judgment bully type. I, I can't stand bullies and judging people for what they like to do. So, um, you know, being an athlete with a status or whatever, I don't mean to sound cocky when I'm saying that, but um, I definitely had a status – so, you know, being in the Latin dance club or doing a play or going to a, like a poetry reading or something and meeting all those people and seeing what they like and what they're really good at. I mean, it was really cool. Um, and it definitely, for me, I was just trying to like show like, you know, people are different because I mean, like my brother, I mean, he's different. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. People are who they are and beautiful for those differences. Um, but a lot of society Society, you know, as a baseball player, a lot of people, as a baseball player, a lot of baseball players will make fun of someone that writes poetry or something like that. Um, and poets might make fun of baseball players. So it's more just like seeing people for who they are and appreciating their talents. And that's just kind of what I was trying to do through action and joining different kind of different stuff. Yeah, I think that's a great example of like going outside your comfort zone and yeah, like just yeah. being open-minded to other people and other ideas, and it's it's cool that that you had that status. I know what you're talking about. You're not being cocky by saying that, um, but you're like a man of the people. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely going through depress, you know, the severe depression, anxiety that I was going through. I think a lot of people that go through that are really into. I mean, at least for my, I speak for myself, and I probably speak for a lot of other people are really into you know, volunteering, trying to help others, just because they they know what it's like to feel so bad that they they want others to not even get close to feeling like that. Does that yeah. makes sense. No, I know. Yep. So I got really into like community service, Special Olympics. Um, I won a couple service awards at Virginia Tech. Um, so that was just kind of another another way to you know broaden my broaden my portfolio, I would say, and just get away from baseball. Um, and really, a lot of the things that I saw, like I worked at a Christmas store um, in Blacksburg, um, and I would take the families around the the families that you know didn't have enough money or couldn't afford you know a lot of a lot of gifts for their kids and you know we would collect stuff and people would donate whatever and on a couple like a week before christmas or something the families would come in and i would i'd be a tour guide so i'd like take them around the store and show them what they could buy and kind of be like a salesman almost um and just meeting them and seeing how grateful they were i mean it was like it's just little stuff like that i mean it really helped me define who i am and who i want to be Honestly, it just really makes you change perspectives in life and realize that baseball, although baseball got me to college and I love it and I put my heart and soul into it, um, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that important. That's awesome, Matt. Yeah, it's it's cool that you uh, have that open mind and try to help others. And, you know, you've been through something that's really difficult and you could help others kind of get through difficult times as well with, with that with that kind of stuff. Um. So where can people kind of find you on social media and support some of your autism awareness advocacy? Yeah, I feel like I should. So my my, uh, my senior day, actually, um, my team and my coach got together and decided to uh, – I didn't know this, so I was surprised on, on game day, on, at game time, really. Um, they decided to get together and make it an autism awareness game. So, you know, we had autism patches on our jerseys. They gave me a check for like $6,000 to go towards – autism awareness um my brother sang the national anthem which was incredible so so that i mean that's another like i said my head coach was amazing throughout this whole process and i really wouldn't have gone through the um, recovery i did without my coaching staff so i gotta say thank you to them and my parents too but um yeah on social media twitter facebook instagram um it's just my name at matt dobie um, really, you know, not all my posts are about autism awareness, but um, I try to I try to make aware of just special needs, you know, disabilities in general. Because um, I think a lot of society, you know, doesn't really know how to deal with them. Because I mean, they're really not they're really not different people. I mean, they're some of the happiest, most genuine, loving people I've ever met, um, and they they have the same dreams and hopes as us. Um, and I think society um, kind of the stereotypes and society, the stigmas and stuff, I think society has a long way to go um, with accepting that. Well, you're doing a great job, Matt. And after listening to your story, you are one of the most mentally tough people that I know and one of the toughest guys I know. So uh, don't let anyone take that away from you or let society tell you otherwise.